0: G'day and welcome to UFC 273 Preview and Predictions. Gonna be an outstanding card this weekend, I cannot fucking wait. Uh, usually myself and JJ will sit down at my place and we will watch the card and do thoughts and comments. But this weekend's a special weekend, we've got Vulcan the main event, we've got a huge Bantamweight Championship co-main event. Obviously Korean Zombie's getting a chance that he's waited his whole life for in the main event up against Volk. And we've got Kamzad Chimaev, who's been very entertaining in the lead up, up against Gilbert Burns. I mean, this card's going to be outstanding, so I'm heading to the pub. This just feels like the right one uh, to have a few beers, get on the beers and enjoy the action. So very, very keen for this card. Today I'm going to be jumping through the prelims, so I'm splitting it into two parts. I'll go through, preview each fight, ...and give my prediction right at the end... ...so starting with the preliminary card today... ...so I'll wait, I'll save all the main card stuff for the next podcast... ...and look, it's going to be a hell of a card... ...so why not get started with our opening fight on this card... ...which is a bantamweight action... ...I thought it was featherweight for a moment... ...because uh, Julio Arce won half of this fight... ...he has fought quite a bit at featherweight... Uh, ...but this one taking place in the bantamweight division... Julio Arce and Daniel Santos. So should be a very interesting opener in front of the crowd as well. This one taking place in Jacksonville, Florida. And we've got the veteran Arce up against a Brazilian newcomer in Daniel Santos. So look, as far as it's going to play out, it's taken me a little while to work out exactly which way I'm going to go with this fight. Now Julio Arce has spent plenty of time at featherweight, but he's jumped back up to bantamweight in recent times in 2021, he had a KO win over Andre Ewell. And that was around March last year. So that got his bantamweight run off to a great start. And then in November, Julio had a knockout loss to Song Yadong, who, look, he looks like an incredible talent, a real prospect in a stacked bantamweight division. We saw Song came, uh, come out. This was, I was at a four-day festival, so I actually missed this card, but I had a look at the results, saw that Song Yadong uh, knocked... Marlon Marias out in the first round and he's really solidified himself as a young contender so he's still got plenty of time to make a run and he is already surging through the division so Song Dong look you don't lose a whole lot of credit losing to him so Julio Arce, that was his last fight but look I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt up against Andre Yule, he got the knockout win so I think he can definitely make a decent run at bantamweight As for his opponent, Daniel Santos, well, he has not fought since over two years ago, so that is a long time between action, especially because this is his UFC debut, so he's stepping up majorly in competition, so it's going to be a real big ask for him to come off over a two-year layoff and get the win here. But look, anything is possible. Santos does have stoppages in seven of his eight wins, so... Look, no doubt he isn't going to have lost that ability and I think he'll be coming out looking to finish the fight maybe sooner rather than later. Now, his UFC debut should be very interesting and as for Arce, he's been in the UFC for a little while now with a record of 4-3. and three. And at Bantamweight, which is where this fight is taking place, he has a 1-1 one and one record. Now, speaking of Julio Arce, just having a look at his profile, he is 32 years old and he will be representing Team Tiger Shulman. He's also an MMA instructor there, so look, he's been passing on plenty of his knowledge to others. I think he would have upskilled himself in the process working with others. He's obviously, you know, had his own trainers, his own teachers. So a wealth of knowledge for Julio, which is going to be very beneficial for him this weekend. Julio will also be fighting out of Queens, New York. As for his opponent, very strange nickname for Daniel Santos, nicknamed Willy Cat, a bit of a strange one. Now Willy Cat, Daniel Santos, is from Brazil, only 27 years old and representing shoot box Diego Lima. Having a look through the advantages, Julio is going to have the power advantage, but of course he is cutting down to bantamweight whereas previously he was up at featherweight, so you do have to wonder how the weight cut is going to affect him overall, especially up against a stoppage specialist like Santos. Now, Arce is also going to have the reach advantage, so quite a few of the advantages leaning in Julio Arce's favor. I'd also give him the wrestling and grappling advantages. And look, with that being said, I think Julio Arce is the deserved favorite, having a quick look at the market. Uh, he is the favorite, but look, the odds for both of them are decent. Today, I'm not going to jump into the betting market. Uh, just, yeah, don't need to. I guess maybe thoughts and comments usually, but I uh, won't be doing that. We'll be at the pub, uh, and that that's when I'll turn my attention to the betting. Now, Daniel Santos, he is the underdog, but he's also an unknown entity. We don't really know what to expect from him. He's been out of action for over two years. He hasn't fought in the UFC before, so... Yeah, that makes it quite hard to tell exactly how this is going to go down, but I'm very excited to see how it plays out, especially given that it's the opener. So this one's going to set the tone for everything that is to come on an extremely stacked card. Now I'm just going to pull up the professional records, have a look at their methods of victories and losses, and then I'm going to jump into my prediction for this Bantamweight Opener with Julio Arce's pro record, and he has an overall professional record standing at 17 wins and 5 losses. So, pretty good overall. He has lost twice to Brian Kelleher. Uh, Both of those were outside of the UFC, which is interesting. Uh, Most of his UFC run has been pretty successful. A couple of losses throughout there, but overall, pretty good record, 17 and 5 for Julio. Now, looking at his wins... 7 of 17 wins by decision, so the main way he's got it done is just going the distance, which does give me faith that he's going to be able to handle whatever Daniel Santos is going to have to throw at him, and maybe if Santos isn't successful in like an early stoppage, that could really see as the fight plays out a little bit later on, Julio Arce take total control, and maybe wins rounds 2 and 3, so... It, this one's a bit of a head-scratcher. I really don't know which way it's going to go. Now, as for the stoppages, look, he can stop a fight too, Julio Arce. Ten of his 17 wins have been stoppages, so he more often than not, he actually hasn't gone the distance, but the main method of victory is by decision. But he's got five knockouts as well and five submission wins, so he's got a variety of ways that he can get it done, which I think makes Julio Arce a massive threat to Daniel Santos this weekend. Looking at Julio's losses, three of five by decision. So he's only been stopped twice, one knockout, one submission. So when you consider that Daniel Santos is a stoppage specialist across 22 fights, uh, only two stoppage losses for Julio Arce. So it's going to be a really, really tough stylistic matchup for Daniel Santos. And it's, again, as I've reiterated a few times, this one's quite hard to pick because it's like, I think Julio Arce, he's very capable of the finish, but I can see him getting, like, grinding out the decision win. Whilst for Daniel Santos, it's like he's going to be going for that stoppage. And I, yeah, I'm s- scratching my head. That's the sound of me, scratching my head. So now jumping on to Daniel Santos and his record. His record standing at 8-1. and Willie Katz' one loss was a decision loss, so... He has yet to be stopped across nine fights in his career. Uh, Look, I think Julio Arce can absolutely do it, especially because I think Daniel Santos is going to try and push the pace. He's not necessarily going to be looking to go for the long 15-minute fight, and that may kind of just wake something up inside Julio Arce, and I can definitely see a big knockout coming uh, for either man. But looking at the wins for Daniel Santos, three decision wins four knockouts, and one submission. So, look, pretty impressive record overall. Uh, Looking through, I thought it was, I thought he had uh, five, fuck, uh, whatever. Okay, no, just going back, uh, it was the stoppages. I was going to talk about the stoppages, and then I saw there were quite a few decisions there, Uh, but most of those decisions were early on in his career, so... A lot of stoppages, I don't know where that... Maybe a mixed stat at the start, so apologies there. Apologies for confusing the fuck out of everyone, including myself. How about we just uh, jump on to the prediction for this early prelims opener, UFC 273. Bantamweight action. I'm going to be taking Julio Arce up against uh, Daniel Santos, that's the one. Been talking about him for the last 10 minutes and then forget his name, what the hell is going on but I'm going to take Julio Arce uh, and I'm going to take him to get it done by decision I think a stoppage is very much possible but Santos is yet to be stopped in his career and he's been out for two years so that's kind of what leans me toward oh maybe he is going to get stopped but I'm going to play it somewhat safe here and I'm going to be taking Julio Arce over Daniel Santos by decision so that is the bantamweight opener let's now move on to the second fight on the card And let's switch it up from the fellas to the ladies. We've got some women's straw weights, Piera Rodriguez making her UFC debut, and Kay Hansen, who, a much-promising athlete, still very young and a lot of time ahead of her, her best years definitely ahead of her. Uh, But, look, I've backed Kay Hansen in the last two fights, and I said if she lost to Jasmine Jazdavisius, I was like, I think... I'm just personally done with her not as like a fan of the sport like I appreciate what she's doing just from like a betting perspective and like my predictions I was like I think I'm done with my with Kay Hansen. I'm really concerned about her weight cut uh just because she's had issues with it in the past and just hearing what she personally said about it I spoke more about it uh last time she fought on my Premium predictions podcast but um I thought the move to flyweight was good for her. She was saying, like, yeah, I don't have to, like, starve myself and that she felt like that weight cut kind of, you know, she just wasn't in a good place, which is really unfortunate and it sucks to hear. But um, she wasn't in a good place and she lost to Corey McKenna and then she came up to flyweight. Excuse me. Wow, What has happened to my throat? Oh, my God. Um, BRB. Okay, emergency throat crisis is over. Let's get back into this fight. And yeah, Kay Hansen attributed cutting down to straw weight is really affecting her performances. So it does concern me. All oh, the throat coming back. Whoopsie. Uh, does concern me a lot that she is dropping down to straw weight. Weight cutting is something that I haven't done myself, but it just seems like one of those ones where it's like, We don't really see what goes on and like, the suffering and what they have to put themselves through to actually make weight. We kind of just see them at the weigh-in. So, I mean, it it would be a pretty grim process at times. So, look, concerned for Kay Hansen, but hopefully maybe she just went up to flyweight and she was like, ah, this actually isn't my weight class. I'm more of a natural straw weight." So hopefully that is the case and she does come out and give her best performance. Now, she's going to be up against the debutante, Last season on Dana White's contender series, Pierre Rodriguez earning the contract, going 7-0 in the process. Now she got the win via unanimous decision over Valeska Machado. Now back to Hansen, and as I was saying, I'm really starting, or I guess I have lost faith in Kay Hansen. Obviously obviously she's still young, but she is coming off the back of two straight losses. I'm not sure what to make of Rodriguez, though. Some of these fights can be really hard to call. I I haven't seen enough of Rodriguez to make an accurate judgment. Uh, But it is her UFC debut, so she's going to be fired up. She is a former LFA strawweight champion, so that's a pretty good championship to have on your resume. And she spent time at All Stars as well in the lead-up to this fight, uh, which in Sweden, with Kamzat Chemaev being one of the notable performers that trains there. So there's a bit of a link there, considering that Chimaev is fighting a bit later in the card. So we've got the Formula One in Melbourne this weekend. So there are some helicopters and planes and such. Every year, every year when it first flies by, I genuinely, like the first couple of times, I was like, am I going to get bombed here? Like, it's so aggressive. I was like, oh, fuck. What's going on? Turns out just the Formula One, they're like, fuck, yeah, we're in town. They get loud. They get very loud, which is fine. It's pretty cool anyway this isn't the formula one preview and prediction so yeah back to Pierre rodriguez she spent some time at all stars in sweden in the lead up to this would have learned a thing or two and time at some other gyms as well a bit closer to the fight really just refining her craft now for kay hansen she has no fights in 2021 so she fought at the start of this year and fought towards the end of 2020 but she had personal issues in 2021 uh and yeah like it uh yeah basically just hope she's all good but makes it very very hard to predict her winning with confidence so hopefully all of that kind of stuff is behind her but look she's had the weight cut struggles she lost to jazz at flyweight and now she finds herself back at strawweight And look, I guess we'll know a little bit more after this fight actually takes place. Now, checking out the profiles, we've got Kay Hansen. She is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu purple belt from California, and the 22-year-old is representing Classic Fight Team. As for her opponent, Piera Rodriguez, nicknamed La Fiera, the 29-year-old is from Panama, and... She trains at Serpente gym. How's that for a fucking... Uh, yeah, just lost my way a bit there for a second. Yeah, so trains at Serpente gym. She's from Panama. And Piero Rodriguez is a knockout artist. As I said, Kay Hansen on a two-fight losing skid. Whilst Piera she has won all seven of her professional outings. So she definitely has the confidence advantage going into this. And the form advantage. So... Uh, It's it's tricky because I do think Kay Hansen is very capable of a big bounce back win and that's absolutely going to be her intention. But I think I just have too many question marks and too many concerns over her. Looking at her professional record, which now stands at seven wins, five losses. And Hansen has had four of her five losses come by way of decision. So she's able to get through the 15 minutes, but in those close kind of fights, she just doesn't seem to have the better of it. And that's like her last two losses were decision losses. So that's commendable that she hasn't been stopped, but she has been knocked out once in her career. So one of her five losses was a knockout loss and she is going up against Piera Rodriguez, who is a knockout specialist, but of course, big step up in competition coming up into the UFC now. As for Piera Rodriguez, having a look at her record. Oh, first of all, sorry, bloody all over the place today. Kay Hansen's wins. Let's have a look at her wins. Uh, You can probably tell which way I'm predicting by now. Kay Hansen has had four of her seven wins come by way of submission. So if you're going to get on Kay Hansen, I would say go for a submission win. As for her decisions, she's been to decision once and won. And she's also had two knockouts. So one good thing for Kay Hansen is that six of her seven wins have been stoppages. So expect both of these fighters to come out looking for the finish on the weekend. Now to Pierre Rodriguez record, 7-0, 5-7 of 7 wins by knockout with two decision wins as well. So hopefully, yeah, we see a very exciting contest and hopefully the intent's there. I would rather not see like a 15-minute kind of grinding contest. I think this has potential to be really exciting and get a lot of people to take notice of both fighters. So I'm going to be backing in an exciting fight here and I'm going to be taking Pierre Rodriguez. And look, I know Kay Hansen, four of her five losses have come by way of decision, but she's been knocked out once. That was in the second fight of her pro career. And I think it's possible again. As I said, the weight cut does concern me. And so, look, I'm, I was going to go over my bet, probably a double chance, either KO or decision for Piera. But as for my official podcast prediction, I'm going to be backing in Piera Rodriguez here. Kay Hansen's let me down, not personally. Uh, She's let herself down more than anyone. Like if anyone is going to be upset by the two losses, it's going to be her, no doubt. So hopefully for her, she can actually come out and get a win. But after the last performance, I said, I'm not going to go for her next time. So Piera Rodriguez, I'm putting my full faith in you and I'm going to go that next level. I'm going to put that extra little bit of faith and I'm going to say Piera Rodriguez to get the win over Kay Hansen by knockout. I think somewhere in the fight, maybe in the latter stages, Pierre is going to find a way. And look, I'll be interested to see how Kay Hansen fares moving back down to strawweight. But I'm going to take Piero Rodriguez by knockout. Lost my way a couple of times throughout that one. But look, we're on track. Got a couple more early prelims to go. And then I'll be jumping into, I guess you'd call it the main prelims or just the preliminary card. Some really fun fights on that one as well. So let's keep this moving. Third fight on the card, I believe we have Anthony Fluffy Hernandez in the middleweight division taking on Josh Friend. And I do apologize, there is a uh, fair bit of noise going on as I record the second part, so if you hear any little things in the background, look, there's plenty going on. It is a Saturday, and tomorrow is Sunday, so the card is on tomorrow morning Australian time, so I'm going to try and get the rest of this out. And then the main card, so just as I said, please excuse uh, any unexpected noises. Now, back to the fight that I was about to talk about, Anthony Fluffy Hernandez and Josh Fremd. Well, this one, look, I'm going to preview it here, but it's actually been moved up to the preliminary card, so it's off the early prelims. We've seen that Jarzinho, Rosenstrike, he and Marcin Tabura, their fight is off. I'm not sure what happened there. Uh, I'll have to double check. I still haven't, I haven't had a look. I just saw that that one was scratched. So this fight that I'm about to jump into moving up on the card, but I'll get into it now. Anyway, Anthony Fluffy Hernandez up against Josh Fremd in the middleweight division. And look, Fluffy Hernandez, very memorable. I cannot forget that win over Rodolfo Vieira last year, I believe it was, toward the, the start of last year. Uh, Rodolfo was the, like, fucking just biggest favorite on the card like it looked so set he had all the advantages in terms of the grappling and submission game and Anthony Hernandez submitted him we saw Vieira who looked unreal he looks like a fucking statue and we saw him just gas out he tried to grapple tried to just yeah go too hard too early and Fluffy Hernandez came up with What was the most unlikely, although it's his main winning method, uh, but a lot of people felt like it was his most unlikely chance of winning, was to submit Adolfo Vieira, and that is exactly what he did. So, one of 2021's biggest upsets, and ever since that result, I have been eagerly awaiting the return of Anthony Fluffy Hernandez to the octagon. As for Josh Fremd, his opponent, it's the first I'm really seeing of him, so I'm excited to see what he has to offer in his promotional debut Of course, we have a reshuffled card and that resulted in this matchup with Hernandez originally slated to fight a couple of different guys. Uh, Durayev was the first one and then Drakis Duplice or Duplices. uh, I got to work out how to say that. I actually am a huge fan of his. so He he was then supposed to face, uh, Duplices was supposed to face, um, what's his name? Kelvin Gastelum. So yeah, there was a lot of shuffling going on and that match ended up getting called off. Uh, Nasidine Amavov was originally supposed to be in that fight as well so a lot of things getting shuffled around but Anthony Fluffy Hernandez staying on the card up against Josh Fremd. Having a look at the profiles and Hernandez is 28 years old from California and representing the MMA gold fight team which I believe there's another, maybe Aspen Ladd is from MMA Gold Fight Team as well. I'll have to look into that uh, when I get to her fight a bit later on. And Hernandez is looking for back-to-back wins for the first time since 2018. As for Josh Fremd, the Factory X representative is 28 years old from America. And he's going to be looking to cause a huge boil over in this fight. Alright, it sounds like outside we've got a, this is a bit unrelated, but we've got a bloke on the phone. From what I can gather, he is a real estate agent. It sounds like he's making some kind of inspirational Instagram story or something. Uh, But all he's inspiring me to do is be like, hey mate, uh, stop talking about these numbers and these sales. But you know what, it's a Saturday. People are out and about, real estate agents. Uh back on their bullshit, uh, and I think we've got a lord of property outside. But let's get back in to the fight, having a look at the professional records. Anthony Hernandez standing at 8 wins, 2 losses, and 1 no contest. For Hernandez, 6 of his 8 wins have come via submission, so overall 6 submission wins, 1 knockout, and 1 decision for Fluffy Hernandez. He is a fight finisher as well, 7 stoppages from 8 victories, So look, this one just doesn't seem like it's going to go to decision. As for the two losses on Hernandez's record, he has one knockout and one submission. So again, he hasn't really even he hasn't lost by decision. So all signs are pointing toward this one being a stoppage finish, and I'm still not sure exactly who is going to secure that finish. Now looking at Hernandez's opponent in Josh Fremd, he has a record of nine wins and two losses. He has one knockout loss and one decision loss, so he is yet to be submitted across his 11-fight professional career, and that is the specialty of Anthony Hernandez, but he is going to be tested big time because we saw Hernandez submit someone like Adolfo Vieira, so that is definitely stylistically the thing I'm going to be watching out for is whether Hernandez can get that submission win, and it's going to be a really fun fight. This is actually one of the underrated fights on the card, especially given... It was put together on short notice great stylistic matchmaking and i cannot wait to sit down and watch this one now as for the wins for josh fremd he has seven stoppages from nine wins so as i said all signs pointing toward this one ending with a stoppage seven stoppages from nine wins for fremd with four knockouts overall three submission wins and two decisions as well but look i've got to make a prediction for this one And as I said, I have been eagerly awaiting the return to the octagon from Anthony Hernandez. I was shocked when he defeated Vieira, um, and just the way it went down was crazy. Ever since then, I've been waiting to see him back in action. He is back in action. And look, Josh Fremd has never been submitted. But after what Hernandez did to Vieira, uh, look, anything is possible. So in this middleweight clash, I am going to be taking Anthony Fluffy Hernandez over Josh Fremd. And I'm going to be taking Fluffy to get it done by submission. That would hand Josh Fremd the first submission loss of his young career. But look, I think Hernandez is capable. Maybe proceed with caution if you are betting on this one. But I've said a few times, I think this one's going to end in a stoppage. And look, if I'm going to back someone in, I'm going to go Hernandez to go with what he knows. And that is a submission finish. So I'm taking Anthony Hernandez by submission. Let's now move on to our next fight on the card. Also, uh, just on the mystery of the real estate agent, man, I think there's an auction going on. There's guys on the tools making a heap of noise, play blasting their tunes, and we've got a a literal auction outside. So, yeah, apologies for any interruptions, but it's really not that bad, is it? You know, someone's going to buy a house. I saw a picture of the house across from mine. Uh, I haven't really seen the backyard before, and I was like, holy shit, this house is dope. Too bad, uh, fucking... Yeah, probably can't buy a house anytime soon. It's not not easy, is it, folks? But anyway, this is not the auction podcast. This is UFC 273 prelims preview and predictions. So the next fight, uh, this one's going to be a rapid prediction because it was a short notice fight, and originally it was supposed to be Alexei Oleynik up against uh, who was it? Sorry, this fucking uh, auction outside. It's hard to concentrate. Uh, Alexi Olenek was supposed to face Ilia Latifi, so I've already actually done my preview for that fight because it was supposed to take place on the most recent card. Uh, I had Latifi by knockout, but now Olenek late notice up against Jared Vandera. This is going to be my rapid prediction uh, if I don't get drowned out by this dude yelling. Um, so yeah, I've already done Latifi and Olenek, so this one's going to be rapid heavyweight action between Olinick and Jared Vandera, and we've got Jared stepping up on short notice, so he'll be after a big win. He's still yet to really have that breakthrough win throughout his career, and as for Alexi, the veteran enters Jacksonville this weekend in search of his 60th career win, over 40, closer to 50 submission wins in his career. I jumped into that in the last podcast I did when I previewed his fight with Latifi, so like, this dude is an absolute legend of the sport. Very excited to see how this one goes down. For Vandera, his last appearance was a split decision loss against Andre Arlovsky. So, yeah, this one's a bit of a tricky one to work out. But look, for my rapid prediction, when Latifi was involved, I was actually going for Latifi. But now that it's Vandera, it's become even trickier to work out because he could absolutely get the knockout win. Like if you think Vandera's is going to win, I absolutely think knockouts the way Olenek is kind of vulnerable to being knocked out at times, but I'm going to jump back. I'm going to backtrack because now that there is a new opponent, I'm actually going to jump on Alexi Olenek. And like, he just, he's a submission artist. He is, has more submissions than anyone in the UFC. So I'm going to be taking Alexi Olenek to get it done over Jared Vandera by submission. Olenek by submission. That's the pick. That's the rapid pick. Uh, I'm interested to see how this auction goes. But now it is time to move from the early prelim segment up to just the preliminary card segment as we really warm toward what is going to be a stacked main card. Although there are plenty of bangers littered throughout the prelims as well. Next we have got welterweight action between two submission magicians as UFC veteran Mickey Gall welcomes Dana White contender series graduate and team alpha male prospect to the octagon in the Canadian debutant Mike Mallott. Gall best known for defeating CM Punk uh, if we, I think we all remember that what a rogue, what a rogue time, CM Punk in the UFC. Can we make that happen again potentially? Uh, but Gaul, that was the first UFC win of his career. Oh no, it wasn't. I think he beat Mike Jackson. Uh, my apologies, but Gaul got the win over CM Punk at UFC 203 in 2016. Been a bit of a mixed bag since then. Nothing really to report on. Now in that fight against CM Punk. Mickey won via first round rear naked choke, and look, Punk, not the highest level of opponent with the greatest respect to the wrestling legend, uh, professional wrestling legend, that is, but Sam Punk's record stands at no wins, one loss, and one no contest, which was originally a loss, but it was overturned because his opponent smoked weed, so... Great career from CM Punk, and you know what? He is still cashing royalty checks because he's on the UFC game, which is a laugh. I like that. I enjoy. I enjoy that. That CM Punk, you can still fight with him. He's a classic. I always enjoy going with CM Punk in the game. Anyway, back to Mickey Gall, and it has been a very hot and cold run for him in the seven-year stint currently in the UFC. Overall, Mickey's record in the UFC six and four. So, uh could definitely be a lot better. All right, here we go. This guy sounds like he's uh, making a sale. He's going hard here, so I'll try <clears throat> speak a bit louder. Now, let's not forget that Mickey Gall only had one professional fight to his name when he entered the UFC, so it's been a tough ask for him. Like, he's been thrown straight to the wolves. As for Mike Malott, the Canadian native returned it from an extended sabbatical He returned, I think I said that wrong, Uh, the Canadian returned from an extended sabbatical in 2020, submitting his opponent in the first round, but before backing up that emphatic win with a UFC contract earning performance. It took Malott just 39 seconds to submit his opponent on last year's season of Dana White's Contender Series, and ever since that moment I have been ultra keen to see what the Canadian can do officially under the UFC banner. The win immediately put the welterweight division on notice and Milot now has the opportunity to turn his promising potential into a raging success. However, if Milot loses, that is going to bring the hype train to a screeching halt and the Canadian's going to be left trying to pick up the pieces. Mike's only loss was back in 2014 to UFC featherweight fixture Hakeem Dawodu. Other than that one loss and one draw throughout his career, Malotte has an unblemished professional record with his sights set on an 8th career victory entering Jacksonville this weekend. As for Mickey Gall, he is in desperate need of some consistent form with the result of this fight having a huge bearing on the trajectory of his career going forward. Either way, this shapes as an intriguing contest, especially given both men's ability to not only attack the submission, but also defending them, with neither man having been submitted throughout their pro careers to date. So neither of them have been submitted. Both of them are submission specialists. Again, like every time I do these preview predictions, like the one thing... Like, fighter pay is probably something where I'm like, uh. Eh. But one thing where I'm like, fuck, you guys nail this is the stylistic matchmaking. Like, I cannot speak highly enough pretty much majority of the time. Like, the fights they put together are just awesome. Like, the more you delve into it and you're like, oh, wow, neither of these guys have been submitted, but they're just, like, unreal submission artists. Or when you get guys who are knockout kings and they go up against a guy who hasn't been knocked out i mean all these different stylistic matchups that is what makes fights that is what makes a card like ufc 273 stacked and it's very good to know that not just the main card is going to be banger after banger but the prelims featuring plenty uh, plenty of heat or plenty of heat i don't know we can just create a new vocabulary as we go now looking at the profiles mickey gall 30 years old from the United States and training at Miller Brothers MMA which is associated I believe Jim Miller is one of the trainers there as for Mike Malott, nicknamed proper he is 30 years old as well from Halifax Nova Scotia Canada and representing the team alpha male Jim there's going to be a height and reach advantage in favor of Mickey Gall, uh, so whether he can use that to his advantage I don't think necessarily in his offense that will be super helpful but I do think defense will be really helpful having the height and reach advantage. It's just going to make it that little bit harder for Mike Malott to find his range and be able to chase a finish. Now, I talked about Mike Malott and his two really quick submission wins last year. Uh, but I haven't talked about Mickey Gall's 2021 campaign. Now, he got that started with a submission win over Jordan Williams, adding another submission to his tally before coming out in December and actually he lost to Alex Morono. So Alex Morono is decent level. Like, he, he's pretty decent. He's still working his way up as well. He's definitely not done in terms of making his run. But uh yeah, I, I just thought Mickey Gore could have offered a hell of a lot more than what he did on the night. Now what I'm gonna do before I jump into my prediction is I'm gonna have a look through their professional records. So Seven wins, one loss, and one draw for Mike Malott. Three knockout wins, four submission wins. He has never won by decision, so that is seven stoppages from seven wins. And pretty pretty evenly split. I mean, if he gets the knockout this weekend, which a lot of people feel he will, uh, then that would even it up. Four knockouts and four submissions. Now, jumping on to the professional record of Mickey Gaul. And look, the impressive stat for Mickey, whose record stands at seven and four overall, is that six of those seven wins have come via submission. Via, via, bleh. English is just honestly, I mean, I think the auction's finished, but unfortunately uh, my English language deteriorating is not finished. But as I said, Mickey Gall, six of seven wins by submission, one decision win as well. So he's never won by knockout. But six from seven wins by submission. So, look, if either guy gets it done here, it very well could be submission. But then you have, you just cannot bet or predict on this fight without taking into account that neither of these men have been submitted before, which is always worth taking into account pretty seriously, too. Sometimes I will change my pick if someone's never lost by a particular method. Now, speaking of losses, Mickey Gall has four losses across his seven and four record three of four losses by decision with one knockout loss as well so this is fuck I actually really interested in this one like maybe not as excited as I am for some of the other fights but I'm really interested to see whether one or the other can get a submission and if they don't I think a finish could still be on the cards but as for how it plays out like I've been trying to rack my brain I can see Mike Malott getting a really uh, quick round one finish. But other than that, I'm struggling to envision ways this could go down because there are so many different variables and different things that could happen, as there are in any fight. But this one in particular, I feel like there are so many different variables. Both guys have a very, I guess, broad range of skills that they can bring to the octagon. So it's going to be a close one. Hopefully, I don't know. I can see Mike Malott coming out and making a statement, but it's not going to be easy against Mickey Gall. As for my prediction, I'm going to be taking Mike Malott, And uh, look, knockout would be the safe bet. I'm going to say that, but I'm going Mike Malott by submission. So just like the Fluffy Hernandez fight where I picked him to submit a guy who has never lost via that method, once again, I'm going to go against a guy losing... By submission, like I'm taking him, sorry, I can't speak English, as I said. I'm taking Mickey Gall to lose by submission, even though he has never lost that way. So I'm taking Mike Malott over Mickey Gall in welterweight action. And look, I'm going to back a bit of a cheeky one here. I'm, I'm going to go for submission. Now, knockout definitely seems more likely, and I'm kind of hesitant to not take him by knockout, but fuck it. I, I want to see a submission. I will be really intrigued to see what is to come from Mike Malott if he can get the submission and so that's what I'm going to back in I'm taking Mike Malott by submission so that kicks off the preliminary card as we moved from the early prelims and we've got another two fights to go now another fight on this preliminary portion is Fluffy Hernandez versus Josh Fremd but obviously I've already jumped into that one so two fights left in this preview and predictions for the prelims card UFC 273, going to be an absolute banger. And up next, we have women's bantamweight action between Aspen Ladd and Raquel Pennington. As far as the narratives, one of the ones that really intrigues me is, or concerns me more than intrigues, I guess, uh, is Aspen Ladd cutting back down to the women's bantamweight uh, limit, which she's been having trouble missing weight Uh, She fainted on the scales, things like that. So I feel like she's more of a natural featherweight, but of course she is ranked number four in the women's bantamweight division. But yeah, definitely concerned about the weight cut aspect for Aspen Ladd. As for Raquel Pennington, one concern I guess I'd have for her is that she is taking this fight on short notice, replacing Irene Aldana, who I was sad that she's not appearing this weekend. I was really keen to see Aspen Ladd versus Aldana But, I mean, you can't get a much better replacement than Raquel Pennington. Three straight wins for Pennington, and it's been a return to form after she's had some, yeah, real setbacks. And then even returning to the UFC from her setbacks, it took her a little while to kind of find her groove again. But now three straight wins, and it looks like Raquel Pennington is back to her best. As for Aspen Ladd, the fourth-ranked woman's bantamweight spent a long stretch out of action. Then she returned, and she was supposed to face Macy Chaison. I believe that was when the feint on the scales happened. Uh, After that, they tried to reschedule the bout with Chaison. Uh, I think she had to pull out. I believe Aspen Ladd missed weight, and then she ended up replacing Holly Holm in the main event of that fight night up against Norma Dumont in the Apex. So... Not a heap of women's featherweight action uh, throughout the UFC, but yeah, Aspen Ladd somehow got herself into that main event. Now, there was a lot of criticism about that being a fight night main event, but I was interested to see how it played out. I ended up backing Norma Dumont, and yeah, she got the win. Got the win via decision, so uh, Aspen Ladd, I thought she looked good in that weight class, but she's cutting back down to the women's bantamweight division, and... Look, we'll know more with a bit of extra hindsight. I'm going to wait and see how she performs on the weekend. Now, as far as the rankings picture, this is a really big one for the division. Raquel Pennington sitting in seventh with Ladd in fourth. So no doubt a spot in the top five is at stake. Aspen Ladd has had some awesome moments, but it's been a while since she's really had kind of a momentum building win. As for Raquel Pennington, it's been the opposite. She has been building momentum nicely. So for mine, it's going to be a top five clash. Winner is going to be in. Winner's in the top five and loser is out, in my opinion. That's just the way I see it. So a hell of a lot at stake in this women's bantamweight match as my fucking phone just starts randomly making noises. Ah, but it's gone pretty quiet other than that. So great result. Now, looking at the profiles, Aspen Lad, twenty-seven years old, representing MMA Gold. She's got slightly less height and reach than her opponent in Pennington, uh, but I do believe that on a good day, the strength advantage and the power advantage probably goes to Aspen Lad. But again, I just the weight cut—it's not something I've done myself, like go through a really intense weight cut. So I just it's something I maybe down the track that would be something interesting to try to just get some kind of idea because it's hard to tell exactly how the weight cut is going to affect Aspen Ladd this weekend. She is a ground and pound specialist though so I think if this fight goes to the mat then Raquel Pennington may find herself in some real trouble. Aspen Ladd as soon as she's got you down and she's in top position then you are in a fuck ton of trouble. It is really hard to get out of those exchanges and look that's going to be the goal for Raquel Pennington. Try and not find herself in those vulnerable ground and pound positions aspen lad enters jacksonville this weekend with a nine and two record six of those nine wins coming by knockout largely ground and pound as i was saying that is her specialty and look overall the wins for aspen lad six knockouts two decisions and one submission as for lad's losses She's had one knockout loss to Jermaine Durandamy and in her most recent outing she had that unanimous decision loss up at featherweight to Norma the Immortal Dumont. Now Ladd, she had such a promising start, like it's been really concerning and like it's unfortunate to see how things have played out because there was so much hype surrounding Aspen Ladd, she had the 8-0 and start to her career but things have really slowed down, inactivity, some setbacks of her own, which have been really hard to overcome. And now she's gone from an 8-0 and start to her career, and she now has two losses in her last three outings. Jumping on to her opponent, Raquel Pennington, the 33-year-old nicknamed Rocky, and from Colorado Springs. Pennington will be representing the Triple Threat Gym. Triple threat gym. My apologies, what the fuck is going on? Saturday moments. Um, But yeah, she's representing Triple Threat. Don't know a great deal about that gym, to be honest. Pennington's record stands at 13 and 8, but she's taken on the highest level of competition for quite some time now. And look, Pennington is in much better form than her opponent, coming off wins in four of her last five appearances. Eight of Pennington's 13 wins have been by decision, so she's more of a specialist across that 15 minutes rather than getting the stoppage. And it's going to be tricky, it is going to be tricky, because if Aspen Ladd gets her to the ground for even a moment, she could cause some serious damage, to the point where even if Lad doesn't finish the fight, she could do a hell of a lot toward getting that decision win. But it is a bit of a specialty for Pennington, 8 of 13 wins by decision, she also has 4 submissions and 1 knockout. So contrasting styles, Ladd more keen to finish the fight with a knockout, whilst Pennington better at getting a decision win or a submission win. So again, great stylistic matchup. Now, Pennington hasn't just won plenty by decision. She's also lost quite a bit by decision. Six of her eight losses throughout her career coming by way of decision. She's also had one knockout loss to Amanda Nunes, and she was submitted once by Kat Zingano under the Invicta FC banner. So This one tricky, another one that, look, it's going to answer a lot of questions once we actually see them fight, so I'm keen to see that, but for the preview, still a lot of questions to be answered, but I'm going to make my prediction, and in this woman's bantamweight encounter, I'm going to be taking Raquel Pennington by decision, I I think both of them are probably going to be looking for the finish, like Pennington will be looking to secure that submission, whilst Ladd is going to be looking for the knockout, or technical knockout, But I think overall they are very closely matched. So I can definitely see them going the distance. A bit too many question marks over Aspen Ladd and the weight cut and everything that has gone on in the last couple of years. So I'm going to go with the woman who is in better form. And I'm going to take Raquel Pennington over Aspen Ladd by decision. So that's just the way I see it. I am really keen to see how this one actually goes. There are a couple of different fighters throughout this card where I will be closely monitoring how they perform after a weight cut that's thrown out some question marks. And Aspen Lad definitely one of, a, uh, one of them. But best of luck to both women this weekend. I'll be taking Raquel Pennington by decision. So that leaves only one fight on the preliminary portion, and that is our featured prelim we have got ian the future gary up against darian weeks in the welterweight division and look ian gary at the moment it is a fantastic time to be from england ireland wales scotland that buzz across the united kingdom i don't even know where ireland i know there's beef and all that shit so like yeah i don't want to lump them all into like i know england and ireland have beef at times uh but look It's a great time to be a fighter from any of those regions. Ian Gary has a hell of a lot of hype. Not as much as someone like Paddy the Baddy Pimblet, but look, he's building a hype train of his own. He's Irish too, so that differentiates him from the likes of Tom Aspinall uh, and Paddy Pimblet, Arnold Allen, who are all on a tear at the moment. But Ian Gary, more in the Conor McGregor mold, you can definitely see ways that McGregor has influenced his, not so much his style, but his charismatic style and style as a talker and trying to bring the total package rather than just being a great fighter and look Ian Gary still has a way to go before he can reach heights even close to what McGregor's done uh, other than like punching old guys in the head and DJs and Machine Gun Kelly and all that shit uh, but look Ian Gary he's only had one UFC appearance so far so like the talk is there but the walk is still yet to be walked to some degree so really keen to see him this weekend if he gets the win as well then the hype train is going to continue to build he's a name that's definitely marked down in my black book in terms of guys who could potentially be about to explode in the welterweight division but there are quite a few of them like more than double digits or oh, not more than double digits that's like a fucking 100 uh-huh. But, like, double digits uh, in terms of some real genuine killers. And not just out Chumayev. Like, there are a lot of guys. Uh, Rockmanov, the Kazakhstani guy, I really like the look of him as well. Uh, but let's stick to the welterweights that are competing this weekend. Darian Weeks and Ian the future Gary. As I said, plenty of hype surrounding Gary. Whilst Darian Weeks, this will be his sophomore appearance as well in the promotion. After a short notice unanimous decision loss to Brian Barbarena last year. Or might have been this year, fuck it, I can't remember. But I remember I bet on Brian Barbarena to win by knockout, and he didn't, so I remember being a little bit disappointed about that. Now, Ian Gary is a former Cage Warriors welterweight champion, and the undefeated Irishman decided to move to South Florida to train at Sanford MMA, which contains the likes of Michael Chandler, Derek Brunson... Gilbert Burns, who's fighting a bit higher up on this card. I had seen uh, that they were in towels together. I don't know. They were in the sauna, interested in our uh, teammate things. Uh, but there was a video of Kamzat Chimaev in a towel as well and talking some shit, talking some good-natured shit to Gilbert Burns. But uh, Ian Gary was with Gilbert Burns, which I noticed. Uh, so he's got really, really great teammates, fantastic coaches at Sanford MMA. So, look, Ian Gary... He he looks like the real deal. Now, he had his UFC debut at Madison Square Garden, UFC 268, where the future Ian Gary had a knockout win over Jordan Williams. That was right at the death of round one, so pretty much the last second of round one. He finished Jordan Williams, and that was a great way to get his UFC career started. As for his opponent, it has been a full training camp this time around for Darian Weeks, which is a contrast to his first performance in the UFC, and no doubt a win over Ian Gary is going to mean that Darian Weeks steals all of the hype the Irishman has built up. So Weeks finds himself in an awesome position. He will be extremely excited to get inside that cage this weekend and chase the victory. And for Darian Weeks, looking at his profile, the 28-year-old American went 5-0 outside of the UFC before coming to the UFC, obviously, having that loss, To Brian Barberena. So now a 5-1 record representing Hulet House, uh, I believe it is. Um, Jim, haven't heard a lot about that Jim to be honest. And for Darian Weeks, the most impressive thing on his resume is that he is yet to be stopped inside the distance. uh, Undefeated outside of the UFC, but he hasn't been finished at any point in his career. So that is a really good sign for Darian Weeks. And he's had stoppages in all five of his wins. So he's a stoppage specialist and he doesn't know what it feels like to be stopped himself. Four knockout wins for Darian Weeks and one submission. So he's going to be game, no doubt, for Ian Gary. But I feel like this is like a decent level matchup where they're giving Darian Weeks to help build Ian Gary without throwing him straight up to kill straight away. Speaking of Ian the future Gary, the 24-year-old is from Dublin, Ireland representing Sanford MMA, as I said earlier. And he's got massive advantages in height and reach. So, yeah, I think Ian Gary is going to be very imposing. He's going to cause Darian Weeks a lot of issues throughout this fight. Gary has a perfect 8-0 and record, with 5 of 8 wins coming by knockout. So, that's his specialty, realistically. Everyone loves a knockout, uh, especially, the, well, mainly the fans. And, look, it looks like that might be the way he tries to continue to build his hype. Definitely always a stoppage counts for a hell of a lot more than a decision win. So I think Ian Gary is going to come out with every intention of finishing the fight before that third round is up. So five knockouts overall for Ian Gary, one submission win and two decisions. So stylistically, I've got to ask, does this fight go the distance? It seems like no, but Darian Weeks has only lost once and that was by decision and Brian Barbarena was throwing his best at him trying to knock him out but he he just couldn't so I think this is actually going to be quite a fun fight I'm hoping that Darian Weeks can put up more of a fight than the odds suggest and make it a really competitive clash but overall look I guess I'm jumping on the bandwagon but just from what I've seen this is genuinely just what I've seen and I've watched a lot of tape on Ian Garry And I think he's got the tools to get it done. So in this welterweight featured prelim, I'm going to be taking Ian the Future Gary over Darian Weeks by knockout. Uh, There's a a range of ways it could go. Decision could be the better bet. But as I said, a finish counts for so much more. I think Ian Gary doesn't want to waste any time. He's still young. He wants to become the next big Irish superstar. Best way to do that is to get the knockout win. So... I am taking Ian the Future Gary by knockout. That is the featured prelim. That is the entire preliminary card, which now means I shall attention, I shall attention. I shall focus my attention onto the main card now. I will have that podcast out in a couple of hours, but hopefully you have enjoyed although there have been some distractions and some shit talk. Uh, Hopefully you've enjoyed the podcast. My general rule is that there's a little bit more shit talk and interruptions and things during the preliminary uh, preview. And then for the main card, I dial it in uh, a a bit more editing as well. And just really try to produce a quality, clean, crisp main card preview and prediction. So look, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, make sure to follow us on Instagram at report. And follow us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. You'll be able to see as soon as the main card podcast drops. So that is what is up next. I've given you all my predictions for the prelims for UFC 273. We are less than a day away from the card. So I'm excited. Going to watch the early prelims here at my house. Going to meet up with JJ. And then we are going to the pub. Got a table booked for about 10. Very, very keen. Uh... And, yeah, it's just going to be an absolute banger of a card. So can't wait to be at the pub. But first up, got to get that main card preview and predictions out there. So that's what's out next. Follow us on Instagram at Not just a Sports report. And, again, you'll be able to see as soon as the main card podcast is out. So that is all for today. And until the main card podcast, take care of yourself and definitely get ready to enjoy some fantastic fights this weekend.